Yo, I am hanging on with like a veneer of sanity at this point. If Emily were here, she would tell you that it is full-blown duck season. I would deny that accusation. Is it an accusation to call it duck season? I feel as though it is. I feel attacked. Um, But we are on the cusp of early teal season if you're not from Florida, if you're not a hunter. Uh, teal season is a special season that we get in the state of Florida. It is nine days long. And it occurs sometime around the full moon in September because that's something to do with photo period, day length, teal migrate, something. Uh, Like I said, you're getting duck brain Travis a little bit here because, frankly, um, I am burning the candle at just about every end. I can burn it at with regards to duck season. Uh, I think you guys have heard me talk ad nauseum on here about our lack of water in South Florida. Um, whoever, let me, I don't want to question anyone's relationship with deity, but some of y'all, if y'all threw up some prayers, they didn't work. So just, just don't want to say any names, Kaylee Henderson, but there's some of y'all that may have, you know, made some rain dances or rain prayers or drawn some, um, rain circles. Do y'all know what a rain circle is or rain circle, rain turtle? There I am. A rain turtle is when you want to rain out in baseball, you draw a turtle on the field and hopefully it rains. Anyway, some of y'all suck at this. Um, some of y'all had some some early innings there. Like y'all start y'all came out of the gate strong and it rained for several days after we asked you uh, to um, encourage rain in South Florida. But it has since stopped. So don't appreciate that. However, um, me and Matt Pierce and Harry Huff and company have wrangled the troops and the powers that be and we've acquired pumps and we are making some water happen so early teal season is going to happen i have seen teal i have seen teal in the places we're going to hunt teal um so i'm getting excited about this and uh we'll see we'll see how it goes um i really am i'm excited but it's like man you, you just rev, rev your engines trying to get all the logistics together um which thank you to everyone's had patience with me on um, email addresses. If I'll say this on the air, if you've booked a hunt with us and you haven't given me email addresses for everyone in your party, please do because we're going to an electronic waiver process this year, going fancy and big time. So we don't have to like stand in line at four in the morning and have hand you clipboards that are like, you know, they get the do the, the, the paper like no longer has the uh, makeup of paper by the time you get it while you're getting gnawed on by mosquitoes and everything else. Speaking of mosquitoes, y'all, some of y'all probably saw my my Instagram and Facebook post this past week about mosquitoes. When I say it was biblical, I'm telling you, y'all, it was a plague of mosquitoes. Um, I don't, I'm not even sure I'm ready to talk about it, honestly. Like, it, it feels like it's a thing I need to discuss with a therapist or someone. Um, just... And everyone always says, oh, I've got a bad mosquito experience. Yeah, I hear you, bro. I, I get it. I, I know that you have a bad mosquito experience. What I'm saying is I'm a duck hunting guide. Like during from 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 basically, you know, mid to late August until the end of January, I'm in the woods and waters for duck season. And then turkey season, I'm in the woods quite a bit. And then for a long period of my life and then, you know, not as much as I used to, but still do. I've spent a lot of time running fishing charters. I've been around some bugs. I'm just telling y'all, this ain't nothing like anything I've ever seen. When my dad, who is 72 years old, 
and grew up hunting and fishing in Florida in the green swamp. When my dad says, dang, these mosquitoes are serious. The mosquitoes are serious. One time we went turkey hunting and I'm not exaggerating when I say, you know how when you look across like a desert, not, not that I've ever been in an actual desert, but when you look across a desert, it's like hazy from the heat waves. We went turkey hunting one time and that's how the turkeys looked through the mosquitoes in the swamp we were in. Like they were that bad. This, this particular weekend, this past weekend, scouting for ducks, the mosquitoes were that bad. I'm, I'm saying they are not to be trifled with. They are, I would say they are out for blood. That is um, implied in the name mosquito. Like when I say it's a mosquito, that's what they do. So like there's no gray area there as to their intentions. Um, they were coming for us and it was, I mean, it was so bad. I, I've never seen, if you've ever met Harry Huff, um, Harry's been a friend of the podcast for eons and Harry works with us for duck season with me and Matt and helps us run hunts. Harry's like six foot 12 and just, he's a giant of a man. Um, very, very, uh, beautiful eyes, very handsome eyes. I've never seen fear in those eyes until last Saturday. Like I, he got in the truck and there was fear and I, anyway, I'm just telling you, if you're coming to hunt with us, the hunting's going to be incredible. The fellowship's going to be incredible. We're going to have a really, really good time. Bring thermocell refills. Bring 100% DEET. Bring lemon eucalyptus oil. Bring whatever it is you need to treat yourself with to survive. Because the mosquitoes are, I mean, maybe that goes hand in hand with raising ducks. Like the duck impoundments, the duck terrain that you build, mosquitoes go hand in hand with it. I think there's some truth to that. Um, anyway. So we no. someone asked me, are you going to, uh, not herbicide, insecticide, pesticide? Like, are you going to spray for mosquitoes? I'm like, heck no. Are you kidding me? Like ducks, I have no scientific proof of what I'm about to say. I'm purely speculating right now, but I feel like in my heart that early season teal like invertebrates better than they like seeds. So I'm not saying they won't come to seeds, but I think they really like the invertebrates, like the growth of the the little animals and insects and stuff that are on the plants. There's no way in heck that I'm going to, first off, I'm not going to do it anyway, because this is Florida. Like you go outside, there's bugs. So get over yourself. But secondly, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to kill the duck food that we need to feed the ducks that we want to enjoy and duck hunt. Um, super excited about early teal season. Um, if you can't hear it in my voice, like just giddy over it, doing some cool programs this year. Um, one of the, one of the things Matt and I've talked about a lot is the idea of, um, being, being, I don't want being good stewards. Like we, t- both of us are passionate conservation guys, Harry too, passionate conservation guys. Um, he's on the board of conservation, Florida. Um, and we, we talk about this kind of stuff a lot. So we're going to have a group there the first weekend from non-typical outdoors, our friend, Tiffany Sanders, who's come on the podcast before about the mud run. Um, we're going to have a group there the second weekend from the university of Florida. It's going to be really cool. It's all their grad students. We're going to have them in. Some of them have never hunted before. Um, so it's just kind of cool to be able to give back and include some of them in wild Florida and show, um, kind of why we care about what we care about and uh, hopefully they appreciate what they're going to get to see. I, I think they will. I've not had anyone, like I, I think I've said this before, I've never had anyone come through the gates at one of these properties and leave disappointed. Um, maybe they didn't kill their duck, but the memories they leave with are 
through the roof. So we're we're pretty excited about it. Teeler always wildly and unpredictable. Uh, here here one day, gone tomorrow, and um, they don't they don't seem to stay in one place very long. But hopefully we got them dialed in. Hopefully we've got the uh, the right recipe and the right sauce this year. Um, but we are all giddy to get back out there. Plus, it's just fun community. Like you just kind of get to know people over the course of a season or course of multiple seasons. And there's some people that have hunted with me for years and years and years. And they hunt with me once a year and they become friends. Like they're real genuine friends that you see like once a year, like you'd see, you know, certain, sometimes I see my family once a year and I wish it wasn't that frequently, but these are actual people I want to see. And you just enjoy that um, camaraderie, you know, hanging around BSing at the trucks um, a lot of times when the hunt's over, um, we'll take some people around and show them the property and show them some of the wildlife and show them the cattle. And it's just super neat, man. I'm, I'm, if you can't tell I'm pumped, I'm pumped, monumentally pumped. Um, oh, I'd be remiss if I did not say that second weekend, the UF hunt, we're doing it as a partnership with Delta waterfowl and with, um, uh, FWC. So it's going to be really neat. Um, be a partnership with you know between myself and Matt and all Florida and and UF and uh, FWC and 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 Delta and so really excited about that. Um, let's see if you are he. Some of you are like, man, I like your podcast, Travis, but I really liked when you were doing the interviews. Like that was what I was there for. And we've heard you, we've heard you, the All Florida podcast, which will be kind of conversations reimagined. It'll be the conversation series, but we'll be doing it on a different platform, but kind of through the same feed that has been submitted for approval through Apple podcasts. So hopefully all of you will rejoice um, that that's coming back soon. And we got a great lineup of guests and interviews and everything else. Um, It won't always be an interview, although it will probably be more interview heavy than most but sometimes we're going to have some people on and um, debate about some topics that we think are near and dear to the conservation world. Um, we may just have some discussions about stuff that we think need to be wrestled with. Really, um, secretly, part of the mission of All Florida is to create conservationists. That's not super sexy to put on a t-shirt, but that's really the idea at the end of the day is if can we create more conservationists? Can we have more conservationists out there? So tagline is authentic conservation, but really the idea is we want to create conservationists, having more informed people out there. Um, this seems like a really good time for me to pause and tell you about our good buddy, Fletcher Hallett, Hallett Insurance, 904-315-5812, fhallett at hallettends.com. Please, if you need any kind of insurance in Florida, particularly if you need commercial insurance, but any kind of insurance, reach out to Fletcher. Um, the insurance has gotten a little crazy. I know I know that home insurance and stuff like that's gotten a little crazy. Fletcher has always been the guiding light for all of our listeners. So anyone on the podcast, reach out to him, 904-315-5812. You can text him. You can call him. You can email him. I know some of you millennials out there don't like to talk to people, so you can just text Fletcher. You can ask him about ducks because he is up to speed on ducks. Uh, he's very up to speed on deregulations. Um, he's one of the most conscientious uh, sportsmen, hunters, thoughtful in a conservation sort of way. So um, if you haven't ever reached out to him, let him crunch your insurance number, see if he can beat the rates, see if you got holes in your policy or anything else. Give Fletcher a shout. But particularly if you own a business like his, he specializes in commercial policies, um, give him a ring. Thank you to everyone that participated in our online short shirt sale. We did not announce that on the podcast. I just posted it on Facebook and people went bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I will tell you, um, 
I do have a 16 year old labor um, person here that lives in my house. My son, Will, formerly the two minute Will. And Will helped me pull all the shirts, label all the shirts, everything else. But then he was at his mom's for the weekend, so he did not get to package and ship all the shirts. I apologize for any delays in that. We are not an operation where we have 27 people working on this sort of stuff. We have, you know, me and two others as time permits around all the other stuff we're chasing down. So we appreciate your patience with shipping. We appreciate everyone buying those shirts because we marked them way down, basically just trying to clear it out so we can get some new inventory in. Um, someone asked me, is Cast and Blast going away with all Florida? Heck no, Cast and Blast ain't going nowhere. Um, obviously, we've changed the podcast a little bit over the years and from even month to month, but the podcast is going strong. It's going to continue to go strong. We're having fun doing it. Um, and we we did we did talk on the last episode we recorded about Nate's new baby. I will tell you because it's all over Facebook now. Marshall James Henderson is here and congrats to our uh, one time co-host, current co-host, sometimes co-host Nathan Henderson and Special K Catherine on the birth of Marshall James. Everybody's doing great as I understand it. Um, I will take another shot at Kaylee and say, I think they're letting her have a lot of influence with that baby early on. So I'm not sure how that's all going to turn out, but um, so excited for Nate and his family, his growing family. Now um, I'm hopeful that Marsha's first word is duck. Um, I feel like that would be, that would be appropriate. Be super exciting. Dove season is underway in Georgia. Speaking of Nate, um, college football is underway. All the things we talked about on our fall draft a few weeks back have begun to take shape in every way, shape, or form. But Dove season is still a couple weeks away in Florida. Um, we may have some limited opportunities for some Dove hunts. So if you're interested in those, shoot me a message someplace, uh, Instagram, Facebook, or uh, text me. And we'll see what we have available. Um, we don't have a very big dove field, but we do have the potential to have some opportunities out there for some folks. Um, what else is going on? I will tell you, I don't make, listen, I've been laying out blind locations. I'm back to ducks now. I'm, I've been laying out blind locations, um, picking up another pump tomorrow and driving it down south. Dude, it's all things ducks right now, but... In, in the context of all of that, we've still been attending some lake management plan meetings. Um, so I think the lake management plans are, I'll say they're final. What I mean by that is they are live. So we've talked about these a lot over the years that FWC has been working on them. Um, Ryan Ham, who we had on the podcast a couple of years ago, Ryan Ham has kind of led that process. And um, I think they've done a really good job with these plans. I think something... If I was going to leave you, if I was going to give you a word of like conservation, I'll say wisdom for what it's worth. It's coming out of my mouth. I don't know how wise it is, but the idea would be a lot of times we think about things like a lake management plan and we think about what's the perfect lake look like. And we don't want to budge until we have that constructed in the document or constructed in the plan, like a spray plan it's only going to be perfect if the lake at the end of the day looks like Lake Kissimmee did in 2006 or the lake only looks like it did like Istapoga did in 1992. Like we have these idealistic images of a very dynamic system and that ideal image is of a static lake at a static point in time. It's not to say it can't ever be that same way again, but that it is a dynamic system. So even if it hits that same state, it's not going to stay there because it can't. 
So super proud of what the agency did work-wise on um, these plans. They are, again, air quotes, final, but I think final means exactly that they are published. They're never final. We're going to have to modify them. We're going to have to change them. They're going to be evolving. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to work with the agency on that, with all of us continuing to work with the agency on that um, as we as we continue to influence uh, some of the metrics they use to measure, I'll say, lake success. I don't think... I don't think uh, Mark Hoyer from UF or the limnology team there would like that terminology, but I'll say it for this for this context in this podcast. Um, what what measure what what does lake success look like? Um, I think there's a whole bunch of factors, and it's different to a duck hunter than it is to a bass fisherman, than it is to a spec fisherman, than it is to a jet skier, than it is to a pleasure boater. So um, I think I think all of that's gonna that's gonna come out um, in those lake management plans as we see them kind of applied over the years. Like I said, they're not a magic bullet, but uh, I am proud of the work the agency did on them. I think that's important work, and I think some of the discussions that were had out of it were were super important. Um, I am excited because I feel like we pushed pretty hard. There's always good fisheries measures, fisheries metrics. Um, catch rate per hour and fisherman effort and everything else. And I'm pushing really hard to look for similar things on the hunting side. Um, obviously fishing generates a lot more money for the state. It's a better economic driver, but it's not that from an agency standpoint, it's not that different of an economic driver. Um, I think fisheries is really worth about three or $4 million more a year between federal dollars and license dollars. Um, then hunting is which is pretty insignificant when you think the agency has a $450 million budget. Um, so excited about the lake management plans. Also excited we are going to be spending some more time on Lake Apopka with the technical advisory group this coming week. Um, going to be looking at uh, the spray, the spraying out there, what they've treated, where they're treating, how it's looking for the coming year because they're done treating. Um, I, again, I want to thank the agency because they've been so willing to work with sportsmen on this stuff. Um, particularly we demonize IPM, like, like the hunting and fishing community demonize IPM. That group has been very willing to work with us. Um, you know, fisheries and, and HGM are always willing to work with us. IPM has been very willing to work with us as well. So, um, I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's fair for us to always demonize them. They've got a hard job to do. We've interviewed them before. We'll have them on again and continue those discussions. But um, I appreciate that we're going to get back out there, get to lay some eyes on Lake Apopka, take a gander at what's going on with it, um, and and look forward to moving down the road. FWC Commission meeting is coming up at the end of September, the 28th and 29th in sunny Miami, Florida. So um, I don't have an agenda in front of me. I don't think there's any super hot topics on there that would pertain to this group. Um, I will say uh, I definitely know that last week the uh, there was a snook closure enacted. Um, let me take you through kind of that conversation a little bit. So when the redfish regulations were adopted, and if you're not familiar with the redfish regulations, we talked about them back over the summer as they kind of unfolded. I think we talked about them in May and again in July. But as the redfish regulations were adopted, um, it became apparent that as those new regulations were put into place, redfish was going to reopen in southwest Florida. Um, and in doing so, it would kind of override the executive order that had redfish, trout, and snook closed. 
Uh, trout did open, and I can't remember when trout reopened, at a uh, restricted harvest level. I think it was three per person or six per vessel. Don't hold me to that. I don't have the regulations in front of me, and I don't really keep trout. So, um, But there was some kind of reopening of trout. So redfish is due to reopen September 1st when the new management plan takes effect. Um, that happened. There was a gap in that in that snook was going to reopen with snook season on September 1st. There was a large outcry from a guides community in Southwest Florida that got um, enough pressure and attention to close the snook fishery. Um, So the executive order was extended, was really extended to December 1st or November 31st, whatever, whichever, I forget which date was on the actual executive order. And in actuality, that extends it until March because snook season is always closed in December, January, and February. So you, you, you've really got a 180-day extension of snook closure there. Um, I will say I voiced my displeasure with kind of more than anything how that was handled. There was no public comment on that. Um, you know, I've gone through been to a bunch of FWC commission meetings driven all over the state. Extending that snook closure was never once discussed. Um, and frankly, that that's a little bit frustrating because uh, it seems like the pressure to get it closed and extended was by groups that don't show up in that room. Um, and where, where I'm going with all that is I'm not choosing to extend exclusively die on that hill because a 90 day extension, 180 day extension ultimately, but it's really a 90 day extension. Um, Let's get our feet under us. Let's have the argument about it. Let's have the discussion out in the open and um, see where we can land on this. I, I'm a follow the science guy and SPR on snook in the Southwest Florida region says we can keep snook. Um, I get that as a guide, there's an impetus to say, well, if I can catch and release snook, then there'll be more snook for us to keep. And I've even said that on this podcast in the past, a snook is worth more to me as a fishing guide being released and caught again than it is in the ice chest for me to take home. At the same time, I enjoy eating snook. It is a taste of my youth. It is a it is a fish that I enjoy eating. Um, in part because of the heritage of my family of eating snook. Like, I I just, I like that. Um, I'm not saying I want to go catch 600 of them a season and fill my freezer with them. I don't freeze hardly any fish except mullet. Um, In fact, I don't freeze any fish except mullet. But, and I don't judge anybody that does, I'm just telling you where I'm at. This is all Travis's opinion here. None of this is is grounded in science or anything else other than the SPR. it feels like we've moved into an emotional volleyball argument here around snook fisheries, which I'm hopeful we will just implement the same governance of snook fisheries that we've implemented of red fisheries to where we have these factors in place. Um, I think one of the things about the new redfish management plan is it will not be as easy to close the fishery. Um, a simple red tide event, and I don't mean to over undersell a red tide event, but a red tide event um, like 2016 would probably close the red fishery and probably rightfully so. And also no one's going to harvest out of that red tide of it anyway. Um, but it would turn it back on quicker based on other metrics. It would not stay closed for an extended period of time. 
Um, I'm a big believer that nature heals itself. I've seen that time and again. Also, I'm a big believer in, how do I say this while getting myself into just a ton of trouble? But I'm a big believer in, I'm a guide. I love guides. I know a lot of guides. And usually you get into guiding for fishing because you love fishing. Um, That's why some of the best anglers you know don't always make it as guides because they're better fishermen than they are with people. But you see a lot of guys that really do. They make a go of it, and it's because they love it and they want to do it. Um, I admire I admire so many of those guys. Now, I don't admire all of them because I know there's some bad eggs in every bunch, but I admire the vast majority of them. I sit on the board for Florida Guides Association. So, obviously, I, I have a vested interest in that. I make a substantial chunk of my living as a duck hunting guide. A um, little bit different, the same, same thing. But I will say on the duck hunting side, we don't have catch and release as an option. Um a metric that is often used in hunting success is how many ducks did you kill? So I tend to look at wildlife management through the lens of sustainable harvest. Like if we're putting pressure on a fish, sustainable harvest should be considered on it. And I I don't proclaim to be a fisheries expert by any stretch of the imagination, know way more about waterfowl than I do most stuff. But, um, it sure seems like we've created this notion of if we just catch and release, there will always be plenty as though we're saving them for the future. Like there's a, there's a bank account you can deposit them in. And we know that's not true. We, we know that's not true. We know how indices of relative abundance work. And we know, we know that if a red tide event happens, fish that could have been harvested will die. So does it matter if they died in a red tide event or, on your table. We know that catch and release mortality is not insignificant. I'm not saying it's significant, but it's not insignificant. Um, on redfish, it's 8%. I've used this example on the podcast before, but my dad fishes for food. I know a lot of people in our podcast community online, um, when we talked about this and I tried not to shade it one way or the other, they fish for food. So if redfish is open, they go and they catch redfish and they catch their limit, which in this case would be one per person or two per person or whatever, or two per vessel. Um, and then they stop fishing for them. versus catch and release guiding. You may catch 200 in a week. We know that the mortality on redfish catch and release wise is 8%. So that guide is going to kill 16 in a week versus the guy that goes on a Saturday and kills two every other month. Um, I just think this is not as cut and dry and it's a little bit myopic sometimes. And I'm maybe I'm overgeneralizing by saying by the guide community, but I think we have to be cautious about how we do this. Um, I would be all for closing harvest on charters. Um, I don't know any guide that would be upset by that. I don't think you'd see a rash of cancel cancellations. I don't think there's a whole lot of meat fishermen inshore. I don't think you can make a living as a meat fisherman inshore, but I think recreationally, um, the ability should be there for someone to go catch dinner. And, and frankly, I won't do this song and dance today. Part of the reason we pay a fishing license fee, and we, we love to talk about hunters as conservationists. We love to talk about fishermen as conservationists because we pay for it. Part of the reason we pay that fee is a consumptive use fee. I've gone round and round with people about this. It is a consumptive use fee. If you're not taking things to consume, if we're going to do away with that consumptive use fee, um, 
you begin to see ground that you stand on to have the practice that you want to have. Again, I'm not going to unpack that in this episode. We may unpack that on, on, on an all Florida episode, or we may come back to it in the future if you guys want us to. Um, but I'm just telling you strategically, that's a short sighted move. That's a, that's a short term payoff, long-term loss. Um, not, not sure. I love that. Last thing I'm going to touch on before I go. And I, you'll have to forgive me because I have duck brain already. Um, but that is uh, the Pittman-Robertson repeal, uh, the Return Act. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I shared this on my social media a couple weeks ago. Um, now the anti-hunting community has jumped onto the idea of disentangling firearms from conservation funding. So essentially the anti-hunting community has uh, conjoined forces without saying so with the far right wing of the Republican party that is going to defend your second amendment rights. And we have officially gone to the zoo. We have anti hunters espousing the same idea that Florida Congress people, Greg Stubbe, Republican, Sarasota, Brian Mast, uh, Matt Gates. I'm missing one. And Byron Donalds. So the whole Southwest Florida contingent, the whole Southwest Florida contingent is signed on as a co-sponsor for a bill that is the same idea that anti-hunters are now grabbing onto. Um, tell me we're not talking about two sides of the same coin here. I'm trying, I'm, I'm really trying hard to be patient and be tactful in how I talk about this, not be disrespectful. But my frustration level is through the roof with these clowns for signing on to this thing. And I'm sorry to be so disrespectful in saying clowns, but it truly is a clown show that these congressmen have not taken their name off that bill. And these are congressmen that love to play in the conservation and sportsman space. They love to play in the conservation and sportsman space. And I'm kind of over it, man. Like, I'm just, I, I, I cannot, cannot believe if you're listening to this and you consider yourself a sportsman, I know most of you aren't single issue voters. You got kids at home, you got businesses to run, whatever. I just struggle greatly with being okay with these guys being in office. And this is their logic. Um, it's astounding to me. It's baffling to me. And more than anything, it's disappointing to me. Like I just, <laughs> yeah, you have guys out there. I've met with some of these guys. You have guys out there that you think are on our team. This is like the most egregious overstep of not being on our team that I found. So, um, again, not gonna, not gonna belabor that. Not gonna continue to bemoan that. Um, just telling you what I, what I think. This is Travis's opinion, not all Florida's opinion, not cast and blast opinion. This is Travis's opinion on the radio. Um, the other thing that is kind of interesting this past week, I'll hit on it really quick is, um, the USDA closed the import of ducks into the United States this is a baffling move seeing as how ducks have wings and are able to fly into the United States. Uh, I recognize that there is the desire to not, there's the desire to protect from bird flu or avian flu spread. Um, just not sure this one's thought all the way through. This is kind of like at the start of the pandemic when they closed down, they wanted you to go outside and not be around people. And then they closed down hunting for a while. Um, this is kind of like that same sort of logic. It's a little bit baffling. So um, serious pushback from the hunting organizations. Uh, Delta of waterfowl is again, leading that charge. Go Delta. 
Um, happy to see that. I'm not sure that we'll see it changed, but again, baffling, baffling, baffling. So right after I railed on some Republicans, I'm going to rail on um, the Biden administration a little bit there. Why can you not bring ducks back into the United States that you go and shoot in Canada, um, particularly when the same ducks could fly over the border and you could shoot them in the United States? That is everything I have on my list for this week. Um, if you're getting tired of listening to me, don't listen to this next part, but I will be on the Salt Strong podcast next week. I'll share a link to that on uh, Cast and Blast social medias and in Cast and Blast Florida, the group. Hopefully you guys enjoy that. I haven't heard the podcast yet. I mean, when you talk, like anytime you talk in public, I don't know how most people are, but when I talk in public, I usually know if I said the things I wanted to say, but I don't know exactly how I said them. Podcasting is not really that different. Like I usually know if I said the things on my list, cause I usually have a list I'm working off of, but I don't always remember exactly what I said. Emily's calls it blacking out. She'll say it like she has no recollection of anything she ever says on the podcast um, or speaking in public. So I, hopefully I did a good job. Hopefully I accl- acclimated myself. Well, um, don't think I used the right word there, but you guys get the point of, um, what I am trying to say. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, thank you all that have joined all Florida. I appreciate that. I've been sending packages out, still waiting on some shirt sizes to come in. Um, so if you haven't gotten yours yet, that's why, um, we appreciate you all so very much. If you've never left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. If this podcast you think would resonate with one of your friends, family, coworkers, your mortal enemy, please share it with them. We love to have them check us out and listen. Um, and as our good friend, co-host, and buddy Nate would say, y'all stay woke. Stay woke.